0: Welcome, everyone. My name is Adnan Shafi and I am bringing you yet another episode of Pariah Nation. As usual, we have a very special guest for all of you guys today. Would you like to just briefly introduce yourself, where you're from and what you do?
1: Yeah. Hi, Adnan. Thank you for having me. My name is Osei Mola. I used to go to school with um, Adnan and I'm here to talk about climate change in Africa and how Africa can contribute um, with sustainable action, but also just contribute to the climate change conversation going on around the world right now.
0: Yeah, thank you as well for taking time out of your day to to be with us. Um, I think it's a wonderful topic to to actually talk about, especially the fact that a lot of like, people have swept this whole topic of climate change, especially in the African context, under the rug. I think um, a lot of people see it as a problem that is you know, um, they can relegate it to one of those problems that's not as important. And people often forget that it's actually affecting us on a daily basis. So um, why is climate change in this whole uh, discourse, why is it so important to you? And in what ways do you know that us Africans every day are being affected by climate change?
1: Um, Well, I think the reason it's so important to me and the reason that I think it should be important to like Everyone is because not before the conversation used to be um, a lot more for people who are interested in the vi- environment conservation things like that um, it's like only for people who have a passion for it and like mm. but now literally anyone who's interested in having clean air in the future um, having clean food having water like it's a conversation that anyone needs to be interested in. Um, in terms of how Africa is being affected, we have already seen that it has impacts on our weather and patterns. Um, flooding is the most prevalent disaster in North Africa and the second most common in East, South and Central Africa um, and the third most common in West Africa. Um, and so is drought between July 2011 and mid 2012, a severe drought affected East Africa region, and it was said to be the worst drought in 60 years. And we can trace all of this back to climate change. So it's something that we have to deal with as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And I think um, it's obviously, thank you for bringing such facts to light. Some of those facts I was not completely aware of. Um, But even on a personal level, I'm sure anyone listening to this uh, from any side of the world can agree with me that the number of natural disasters that are happening, they seem to be uh, having an upward trend in terms of the numbers of natural disasters every year. Whether you look at the number of of tornadoes or hurricanes Um, in the UK, when I was studying there, um, we literally had, um, I think it was three storms in the space of three weeks And they just kept on coming and kept on coming. And these are unpredictable weather patterns that are starting to become a daily feature in our lives. And a lot of people are actually discounting this point by saying, yeah, you know, we can just do disaster management, but floods are constantly getting worse. And as we've said about the the droughts, we said it was the worst one in 60 years. That for me is more than enough to show that it is a problem that not just affects everyone, but it, uh, it affects especially the African countries, which might not necessarily have the best resources to deal with uh, oncoming disaster after oncoming disaster. So um, what do you think is the role of African countries in being able to manage the whole process of climate change? What do you think governments should do? What do you think, uh, who do you think is most to blame for you know, climate change obviously being not considered such a huge issue here on the African continent?
1: Um, well, in terms of who's to blame, I think I saw an analogy about this um, a couple of months back and I think it really like illustrated the issue well. But basically the way that we've been programmed we more like we best deal with issues that are like tangible and visible to us directly so if you told a person that like it's like okay when you're directly faced with a bear as opposed to like you're hearing about um okay wait i've forgotten the specific detail of the analogy But Mm -hmm. in short, it's just that it's harder for people to, like, visualize all the effects of climate change when it's not something that's being labeled as directly affecting them, if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. people will not really link um, the fact that maybe they're having more difficulty breathing or their asthma issues to how often they drive their car or... How much meat and dairy they consume, I think because it's something that you have to have a lot of knowledge on and it's not as talked about as it should be in schools, workplaces, et cetera, it's much harder to see it as an urgent issue.
0: Yeah, no, I, I see the merits of of that that position, and I think uh, perhaps uh, most people just think that you oh, you know it's just unfortunate you know we've had floods this year. It's unfortunate that we've also you know, had drought this year. All of these different things, um, people simply think that it's just the weather going bad. But what we've actually seen is that the fact that people are constantly polluting the air, right? We're starting to see that, one, air purity around the world is slowly actually going down. I mean, going up, right, because of... Uh, obviously the number of cars that are on the road, all of these different things, the number, like, you know, the, the, the meat that we're also consuming and uh, all of the methane that's excreted by cars, all this different stuff comes into play, although it's very, some people actually claim that the, the climate change might not exist. First of all, my first question would probably be, uh, what, do you see, what do you say to those people who uh, say that climate change doesn't exist? And my second question, right? I'm actually going to refer to the whole coronavirus thing. Uh, have we noticed any improvement now that flights are now out of the air? And um, obviously, like some cars are off the road in many places. What are the improvements that we've seen, if we've seen any? And also, just to remind you of the first question, uh, is what, what do you think about those people that don't believe in climate change?
1: Um. I really don't know what to say to the people who don't believe in climate change. Like I think, yeah. Okay. Everyone should take um, the time to just read about it and educate themselves. And like every disaster movie starts with um, important people ignoring scientists. Yeah. So I think it's just important that you listen to the science and think about the fact that it's for your own good because it's not like um a couple of years ago or let's yeah 50 years ago or something where you're doing it because you're thinking about your children if you're alive today it's impacting you like right now as we speak and will impact you to more severe degree in the future so um yeah that's what i would say uh there's a video on youtube by jane goodall um where you can see how to have this conversation with people who don't believe in climate change. But um, personally, I've been lucky enough like, not to have to come across those kinds of people. Like, it's just kind of hard to imagine that they exist when <laughs> you, know, you have so many resources available to you. At this point, Like, ignorance is a choice. It's not like mm. a lack of teaching or anything. Um, as for your second question, could you please just repeat that?
0: Yeah, sure. So in, in the last few weeks, actually, or the last few months, we've seen airports being closed down. Um, we've seen many countries, including South Africa, put lockdowns, and that's put a significant number of cars and planes like off of their respective, like out of use, essentially, for uh, two to four months. Uh, what improvements have we seen, whether it's here on the African continent, Around the world, about such an action.
1: Um, well, we've definitely seen a lot of good climate news as a result of the pandemic. Um, in Mumbai, we saw like soaring flamingo populations in beaches all over the world. Turtles are able to hatch at a much higher rate because now people aren't like polluting the beaches and um, disrupting their activity. In India, people are able to see the, kilom- um, the Everest, Mount Everest from as far as hundred kilometers away, which hasn't been possible in decades. So we're definitely seeing like huge wins for the environment. Um, but I think that people may think as a result of this, that the virus is buying us time, which is also a really dangerous narrative
0: because
1: um even if like the virus lasts for a few more months it's not going to lead to like sustainable change unless we pressure our governments to actually like make the changes in policies laws etc um yeah like none of this change is going to affect us as soon as like the doors are open again
0: yeah no, I totally, I think you made a wonderful point because, and I've actually really thought saw it that way. I think my my main question would probably be, especially to the scientists, we've seen this whole idea of the 12-hour clock, I mean, 12-year clock, right, that in 12 years, the, uh, the effects of climate change are essentially going to be irreversible, right? And obviously, I think the coronavirus came at a time where we realized how how possible it is. Uh, for online conferences to be held instead of having to charter flights to other countries we 've seen all of that coming through uh, we 've seen a decrease in the amount of cars that are on the road and we 've seen obviously the effects of that despite the fact that for some people that 's had i mean for many countries that 's had adverse effects on the economy. Um, what has the coronavirus actually done in terms of uh, reducing the i mean increasing the amount of time that we have on this so called twelve uh, year clock and what is actually, is it, is that, how accurate is that uh, description of the 12 year clock of like, you know, when climate change is essentially going to be irreversible? Just tell, tell us a bit more about that.
1: Um, I think generally there hasn't been like extensive research into, um, or at least extensive enough research into the 12 year clock for, um, me to say too much about it personally I haven't done like enough so I don't want to talk on something that like I'm not a hundred percent sure about um, but in terms of how much time that the virus has bought us not very much because if you think about it in 2020 we've had so many forest fires and um that has that had actually like reduced a drastic amount of time from that 12 year clock So it's kind of only maybe at best balancing out um, the effects of the forest fires, but nothing more.
0: Yeah, no, I think I'll also just comment more on that. I think um, maybe you could also provide us with more stats in relation to wildfires, but I think it's actually kind of scary that it's gotten to the point where, I think it was about six, seven years ago, we started seeing flights getting canceled because... Of you know extreme weather, right? And a lot of people think that extreme winters disproves climate change, which I think is kind of comical in some senses, right? Um, Maybe it really uh,
1: is. Yeah, actually, tell us a bit more about that. (laughs) There's honestly, like like you said about it being comical. At this point, um, anyone who has a phone and access to the internet, like, has no excuse to be ignorant. On any topic, not just climate change, but even like the current racial conversations that we're having, um, LGBTQ issues, like anything, you can literally find out about anything if you have the interest and the compassion to care about like people who aren't you. Because um, that's another issue with the climate change conversation is that the people who are most disproportionately affected. Um, don't have a voice whereas like people who can like at least for now um afford to ignore it just aren't using the voice that they have to speak up for the less fortunate
0: yeah no i think it's a major issue because i think even if you look at the media coverage of places like australia right uh i think the media actually plays such a huge role in being able to to educate people on climate change. And um, we saw a huge amount of coverage on events such as those in um, Australia. And we also saw, um, you know, uh, different, um, I think the media only picked up on the Amazon rate, like the fires in the Amazon, I think it was almost up to a month after they were happening, right? So I think um, obviously it's important for us to increase media presence on, the idea of uh, climate change. But also, I think that it's it's important that we use social media to speak out about this. And uh, since you obviously are a young woman as well, and someone who has access to the internet and social media, what do you recommend for young people to do with their platforms in terms of educating others about the effects of climate change and the ways to combat them?
1: Um, I'm actually like, I really, really like that question. And um, I think, first of all, people need to recognize that no platform is too small to speak up about any issue. If you care about it, speak up about it. I think I've had friends say like, oh, I mean, I would post about this. I care about this. Like, this is close to my heart. But what impact am I going to make? But even if you have two followers, 200 followers or 2000 followers, you have an impact and an influence on there's mindset and you also have the platform to educate them about something that they might not necessarily have known um so yeah like i would definitely encourage people to use their platforms in terms of resources um i would okay there's a lot of really good content on youtube um there's a youtube channel called goodful where like people can learn about living zero waste Um, and changing their diet to like, not only um, be healthier, but also have a diet that's more environmentally friendly. Um, There's also another one called Ecosia, which is made by the creators of the search engine. And um, there you can learn about sustainable farming, what like increasing, increasing knowledge about permaculture and like why it's important as opposed to like the current current trends of monoculture and um yeah anyone can reach out like you can leave my um details at the end of the podcast or something but like they can reach out to me if they want resources to find out how they can influence the conversation um But also, really quickly, I just wanted to talk about Ecosia and why everyone should switch to that search engine. Basically, it's a verified and legitimate way to contribute to planting trees, restoring degraded soil, protecting endangered animal habitats, um, getting female developers in tech, helping women in rural communities to earn an income and become financially independent, prevent forest fires, among many other things. Um, They also protect your privacy way more than other search engines. Like they don't save your searches, uh, track the websites that you visit, sell your data to advertisers. And they also encrypt all your searches, which like a lot of, if you like take the time to learn about Google and things like that, other search engines like don't care about your privacy nearly half as much as them. And also each Ecosia search removes around like a kilogram of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Whereas um, one person's Google searches for like a month, I think, generates about the same amount of emissions as driving a car for a mile. So um, yeah, that's like one thing that you're literally just downloading one app and, while basically doing nothing, you can increase your environmental impact so much.
0: Yeah, no, I do have a question in relation to that. Um, so a lot of people won't really see the the connection, right? For example, um, I think uh, I saw an article about how even your Netflix uh, viewership can contribute, contribute to the carbon footprint. And I think a lot of people are in a very interesting position, right? Um, in relation to world issues as a whole, right? I'll just mention climate change here as the focus because that's what the podcast is about. But we've seen that, for example, companies like Zara buying clothes from them, they literally, they use, first of all, they use sweatshops and all that stuff. And they actually uh, use, I think it's called fast fashion. And um, uh, there's an American comedian, I can't remember his name, talks about it quite a lot on the Patriot Act. Um, and he basically, yeah, yeah, Hassan Hassan Ninesh. Ninesh. Yeah, he talked quite a lot about how even the clothes we're wearing are contributing to you know, the carbon footprint because uh, when those clothes go out of season, they're just dumped and then they're put into you know, uh, garbage trucks and then they're flown to other countries, even sometimes Kenya, and they end up getting burnt, which is quite a huge thing. Right. So obviously we can see that climate change is uh, like featuring majorly um in in our lives on a daily basis right do you think i mean what first of all what precautions can we take on a personal level to do our bit in being able to um you know stem climate change but also how does for example using ecosia actually connect like how does it save you the one kilogram like physically is it that um it's the way that the search engines function is it that google commits uh, i mean has more of a carbon footprint than uh, Ecosia. What, where's the connection? And also another led to that question is how can we on a personal level become more eco-friendly? I see. Okay, so um, I'm gonna start
1: with the Ecosia question. Um, Okay, so basically Ecosia, first of all, They use um, solar panels and renewable energy for, like, everything that they do. But also, they carry out tree planting activities all over the world. Um, And they work closely with the farmers to make sure that they're getting income. And, like, they genuinely care. Like, they're not just planting trees for the sake of planting trees. Like, they specifically pick out... um, trees that are native to that land and they get the right mix of trees to restore like the natural forest that there would have been had it not been for human activity and in this way for example in Senegal I don't remember what the food was called but um, because of climate change one of their national foods was becoming um, inaccessible to most of the population because it was becoming impossible to grow. And Ecosia stepped in planted, showed the farmers how to um, plant trees to, um, to restore their degraded soil and like change the climate in that area. And now that food has become affordable in Senegal again. So they do a lot of work like that in Africa Um, so yeah, like they have a direct effect. It's not just in theory or anything like that. There's also a lot of proof on their YouTube channel because like, I know that sometimes these kinds of things can seem too good to be true, especially when like a lot of online pages run scams of like, we post this on your story and $1 will be donated to like planting trees or stuff like that. Um, Ecosia releases their annual reports, like how much money they made and where like every cent went, like how much went into paying their website developers, um, how much money went into like that tree planting trip in Senegal and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, for your second question as to how we as individuals can um, impact the climate in a positive way, Research says the single biggest way an individual can help the planet is avoiding meat and dairy. Like that's number one. Um, eating plant-based just half of the time could reduce your food-related emissions by thirty-five percent. Um, aside from that, buying local produce it helps your community economically and reduces your environmental impact. Um, like buying your fruits from local vendors at the markets and roadsides, as opposed to like, we have zucchini here. I don't know where you shop where you are, but like, <laughs> instead of shopping from like a big corporate market, support your local grocers. Um, aside from that, when buying produce, use your own uh, reusable produce bags shop as zero waste as much as you can. Avoid unnecessary plastic. Um, If you haven't already purchased a metal straw, you should do so. It's reusable, you won't have to get uh, plastic straws from restaurants and therefore will reduce the amount of unnecessary plastic in the environment. When ordering food, you can also reduce your waste by asking them not to uh, place plastic utensils with your order. Um, and just use the utensils that you have at home. Um, you can also do that with your Amazon orders. I don't really order from Amazon because like, I don't stand by that brand's like ethics and stuff like that. But with most online shops, you can customize your orders to make them more environmentally friendly, like reducing your plastic and general packaging. Um, instead of throwing away your food waste you can opt to have a compost pile um, and that prevents landfills from being filled with food waste which actually like if food biodegrades in um, a good environment then it doesn't have to have like a really horrible impact on climate change but like when food is left to rot in landfills it releases like a crazy amount of methane and um, actually contributes like quite a lot to climate change. Uh, You can also regrow your food scraps. Um, It's good for the environment and it's like a really relaxing activity during these stressful times. You can start with just regrowing your own herbs such as like cilantro, mint and rosemary. And then like you can expand to fruits and vegetables as you grow more confident. Um, And like I said before, switch to Ecosia as your default search engine. And last but not least, least educate yourself and like the people around you especially um your younger siblings or like just anyone who's young in the community because for us i think that we have to like learn to include the environment in our thought process when making like everyday decisions like i don't think it comes naturally to the average person to think like oh um i want this bag of chips for example your, like your first thought is just going to be like how much does it cost, or something like that, and it's mm. not going to be "Oh, but like what about the plastic wrap and its effect on the environment, or like was it ethically produced So I think teaching kids so that that will be their natural thought process will also have a huge impact.
0: <clears throat> yeah, thank you so much for that very like um, I'd say it's very detailed, obviously way for us to um obviously like you know make a good impact on the environment i think obviously it wasn't it isn't really isn't too much of a commitment and my my main issue i guess uh when we come down to even just policing our diet i think especially in an african context meat is very like central to a lot of the dishes that we have and i remember in my old school <clears throat> would literally be having discussions about meatless mondays and uh one person tried to put for the idea that Meatless Monday should become mandatory. And obviously people just said that they should be able to participate in that voluntarily. And it shouldn't have to be something that you're forcing onto other people. So definitely, I think it's a difficult, it's difficult reform to make. Uh, But I think as individuals, um, something as simple as just switching to Ecosia sounds very simple. And obviously like you can definitely just put that into your daily life and see perhaps obviously slowly switch to that search engine, or even just use it occasionally. Um, That'll probably be able to help the environment and all these different things. Um, I think the main thing is, obviously, this doesn't just have to be done by one person. It shouldn't be seen as weird. We need to inculcate this within our children and, and put it into our educational system. Once, even from a very young age, you're not really taught climate change extensively. You're taught that it's a thing, but not really how it affects us on our personal daily lives. So those are very important things that I think we all need to actually uh, come up to the plate and start endorsing. So my, my, my next question, I guess, would then come to, um, obviously, you have many big corporations, right, uh, that are essentially getting away with environmental um, assassination or I'll say environmental murder, right? Um, whether it's due to the contribution in their plastics uh, or whether it 's the way they deal with the landfills like Zara and all of these big clothing brands uh, what what governmental reform should we be looking for in the next decade, and um, how urgent is it that we get these reforms through Parliament or through our respective leaders um, in the in the due course of time?
1: Um, I mean especially right now it 's like unbelievably urgent like we the 12-year clock even if we don't know how accurate it is we do know that it's not that far off so it's really important that we have these reforms made as soon as possible especially in Africa and um just generally LEDCs all over the world I'm not saying that Africa as a continent is LEDC (laughs) but like most countries in Africa are so um yeah, I think it's really important that we have that because we're going to be disproportionately affected even though Africa contributes like the least to climate change, we're going to be the most affected and we've already seen that with um, with the droughts and flooding I talked to you about. It's already impacting our water supply and quality, um, impacts on agriculture and food. Like it's creating a lot of... Um, not famine just yet but it's like bordering that um it impacts human health impacts like shelter um just recently i think it was in congo but yeah there were floods that like swept away people's homes and especially in the middle of a pandemic like what are you meant to do when everyone is meant to stay at home and you've just had your home like swept away um And yeah, it generally just impacts the most vulnerable population more than anyone else. So we really have to find it within our hearts to do everything in our power as like the generally like more privileged part of society to do our part for the less privileged. Um, And then also, I know that like for most of us as students and like Okay, I'm not so sure about what the audience of this podcast is like, but at least within my age group, it's more difficult for us to affect um, the policies being made. But what we can do is vote with our wallets in that like when you shop from a brand, you should take like a few minutes to um, find out whether it's ethical, the impact on the environment and things like that. But also as a general policy, just do like secondhand shopping, that way you know you are not like affecting the environment in a bad way.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> no, those are good points. I think uh, I've also taken some few things from this. I think um, one, one thing, I think it's easier perhaps to be more eco-friendly um, in many Western countries, just as the same way it's easier to be vegan. I think there's also an economic barrier, even like when you're talking about plant-based diets, um, right, there might be an economic barrier for a lot of people um, to just...
1: I actually, sorry to interrupt you, yeah, but I on. actually want to combat that. Yeah, um, sure. I think that the type of vegan that's advertised to us is like tofu and impossible burgers and things like that. Mm -hmm. and um, even that it's going to have its own like environmental impact like think about how many like individually wrapped burger patties they're buying like that to me does not seem like um, not the best version of veganism if you're like trying to do it for the climate yeah but Mm -hmm. I think being vegan or at least having a lot of plant-based meals is a lot more accessible than one thinks Because okay, it only becomes really uh, expensive or really inaccessible when you're trying to replicate products, like when you're trying to have um, soy milk, coconut milk, um, impossible meat, things like that. Like when you're trying to replace things that just don't naturally occur in like plants and stuff, then obviously the costs are going to go up but if you're just eating like whole grain um good for you plants and like finding creative ways to cook that as opposed to like finding ways to make it taste like meat and dairy it's actually like really really accessible but I will say that um if you're someone who's like less economically Okay, if you have less money and you're living like in the UK and stuff, then I think it's harder. But here, like produce is quite cheap. So I think you can really easily um, be vegan without it having to cost like a lot.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually, um, I, I see your point about the the UK and definitely I've seen, even like if you go into the vegan section, some things are <laughs> disproportionately priced as higher and I think uh, maybe that's, that's something perhaps I also need to educate myself on, uh, just the fact that there's a disconnect between, you know, what veganism actually can be and, like, what it actually is. We get the standard of, oh, yeah, you know, it's, like, the classic, um, and I, I hate to bring race into it, but it seems to be a very classical form of veganism that I'm seeing. It's, like, usually... Yeah, like, a white
1: person who yeah. lives in L.A.,
0: yeah, white. Yeah, exactly. A white person who lives in LA, specifically a white woman who's like on this, like you know, fitness and diet and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, who does it looks yoga like very...
1: and like collects crystals and stuff like that. Like that <laughs> for sure has been what it's advertised as, and that's just like completely wrong. And mm-hmm. um, I think that also happens with like almost every aspect of the climate conversation. It's very much whitewashed. Like I don't know if you. Um, heard about this but there's a climate activist a ugandan climate activist her name is vanessa nakate i hope i'm Mm. pronouncing that correctly but um there was like rage in the media when um her and four other climate activists like young climate activists met up for i'm not sure whether it was a conference or something but then they took a picture of the five of them together the four others are white by the way and then when they published the article they cropped her out and it was just four white girls yeah. and that's the kind of like that's the disconnect that's created by the media like it seems very intentional to be honest with you cuz like Greta Thunberg for example um i think she's doing so much and i'm not like taking anything away from her but there are like for example a lot of indigenous activists her age who are doing as much for the climate that aren't getting like any light shed on them so i think as african youth like us taking a bigger part um in the climate conversation is also really important just for like not just the environment but like also for representation
0: yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I saw that and I was also outraged by it as well. I think the main thing is like, um, also maybe perhaps the reason why many like, you know, um, Africans may have this idea that it's like a, a white person problem only is because you see white people being pushed to the front of this movement by the media deliberately so people automatically just think like you know i might not have a voice in this industry or like not even an industry just like i might not have a voice in these movements and that's it's actually not my place um, to be able to go into these movements and do all of these different things and i think obviously not only is that destructive to the whole movement of climate change, but it's actually showing how much power the media holds in directing resources towards a specific issue. And um, I think for me, that is something that's definitely dangerous. And obviously you also being a person of color and also being a woman, I'd encourage you to to keep going and to keep pursuing this route as much as possible. to obviously give us Africans representation and to bring the the issue Sorry, everyone, Um, the audio just kind of cut out. We had technical difficulties in dealing with that, but we are back. And um, obviously what I was referring to when we're talking about race and representation in the issue of climate change and the place of the media, I think we need to take more of a preemptive approach. we have already mentioned about social media, us as youth taking the lead in social media and utilizing that power, because if we can monopolize that in some way, shape or form as the youth, we can actually have A same or even an equal sort of voice to that of these large media companies. And through social media, we're actually starting to dispossess that power from them. And now, as we come to the end of our podcast, um, I just have one final question for SA, who has been absolutely amazing on this podcast as well. Uh, My question to you would be What is your message to the youth around Africa in terms of climate change? And what should be our approach as a generation? To this issue?
1: Um, I think as Africans, we're generally like by nature more in touch with nature and with the environment. And um, I think, you know, for them, the only way they get to see a lot of the beautiful animals we have on our continent is by going to zoos and seeing them in like their broken state, like nearly nothing compared to like seeing them in like the actual wild with like all their magnificence so i think that like we have to harness our natural connection to um to just use it to like be more compassionate towards um animals and less fortunate people who are even more affected by climate change than we are um i think as youth like we really I mean, I know it's cheesy to say and everyone says it, Mm -hmm. but we really, really are the future. Um, And yeah, we just have to be like really proactive and consider the climate in every decision that we make. Use our voices to um, amplify the voices of those less heard. Um, Take time to educate ourselves on like, all the issues, especially those such as climate change that like really, really, really are going to affect us like, or are already affecting us, but also will start to affect us more drastically in the future. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. That's actually a very, I love that statement about our connection to nature. And I think even the fact that cities like Nairobi, I think Nairobi is the only city in the entire world to have a national park
1: um yeah it is within the
0: city right so i think when when we're so privileged to be so close to the environment i'd say that it's it's more of even our responsibility to teach people of the world why this issue of climate change is so important to us and obviously one other thing i'll possibly add to your already like beautiful statement about our place Uh, In in the future and you know taking charge of this uh, climate change issue is that we need to get into positions of power whether that is in the business field. You should if you're doing business, you should be able to promote more eco friendly um, You know materials all of these different stuff. You should be spearheading that movement if you are the ones who are supposed to be starting the next big corporations. Um, In addition to that, if being in a position might mean that, let's say, you're studying law, you could want to do environmental law, maybe take a pro bono case to help other people that have been disproportionately affected by whether it's company dumping, all of these different stuff. Um, Even if you're just in a position of power in terms of politics. It is up to you to push the, that legislation through. Even if you're not in politics, you're supposed to put pressure on the government, especially African governments, to be taking these things into consideration. And we as a collective world group should pressure the governments of the world to sign and ratify agreements such as those of the Paris Accord. Unfortunately, the yeah. U.S. has backed out of that, which is a huge, a huge hit to the whole world in general as the, one of the main... Leading countries in terms of their carbon footprint. Um, so, definitely, I think that's a very important point that you made. And as we decide to wrap up, my last question would probably also be um, Is there anything last? I mean, is there anything that you want to say just before we wrap up? Any last um, sort of points you want to get out there before we wrap up?
1: Um, I think just like to add on to what you said, I don't think as youth we should. Um, underestimate the change that we can make like with the current protests going on right now and already mm. the amount of change they've been able to make most of that was youth-led and mm. I just to reiterate the point I made earlier it doesn't matter um, if you're only having a conversation with a family member or um, literally just like downloading Ecosia mm-hmm. your change your impact, you shouldn't like underestimate that because combined we can like achieve just really, really huge things. So um, yeah, that, that would be my message.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Again, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to help us here at Prior Nation. One of our main values is obviously to get the youth's voice heard and obviously your voice is equally as valuable on this issue So thank you so much, Hase, for joining us. And thank you so much to everyone. Thank you so much for
1: having you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much as well. Like just, I'm really privileged to have you on the show. And of course, thank you to everyone that's listening. I hope we're all able to take something from this podcast and change whether it's our personal lives for the betterment of the environment or to put more pressure on the world governments and our family members and the people around us to treat the environment properly. Thanks once again. Love all of you and I will see you in the next episode.